ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Easy Go to 11. Once again, I'm Nathan Bell, your host. Greg Dutcher sitting across from me. Greg, how's it going? It is going well. I got Matt Smith in the studio with us. Oh, right. yeah. Feels good. That's right, Matt. This is your first time joining us in our uh, lovely new studio. The new look. I like it. That's right. Yep, it's great. Little little ghetto going on here with some duct tape on the wall. It, yep. It fits Greg really well. <laughs> I wish this was a vodcast, Nathan. Just if anybody could see Matt's office. I mean, those at Grace Communities Church, I'm sure have been there pristine books well organized actually my books are not well organized (laughs) well they look it okay well that's the the important thing to give off that (laughs) external impression it is it is uh his office is uh his office is uh can i say this it's anchorman one will (laughs) pharaoh i have many books smells of mahogany uh that's sort of matt's office i would say what does your office smell like? Yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what, in about an hour when we're done here with the we'll air find, off, we'll find out. We'll find out soon enough, my friend. Especially good. since I went for a run and didn't take a shower. Yeah, dude. Nice. Yeah, Nathan is looking like uh, he's training over there for the uh, triathlon or something. The new yeah. Creed movie coming That's out yes. November 25th. He's in yes. it. He's got I'm the bandana stunt, on. Yeah. 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 You, you will find out how this office smells soon. All right. Excellent. <laughs> looking forward to it. Uh, so we're... Uh, Invited Matt back. It's been a long time since we had you on. When was the last time we had you on, Matt? Was it the Pastors Wise? Was it the Pastors Wise one? Wow. Is it? Re- I thought. Was that really the last one? I think it might have been. How many have I done of these? Oh, maybe four. Okay. Maybe five. I think it was in May that you were last here. Yeah. Wow. It's been yeah. a while. You guys have been mean. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we did the whole. Wasn't hot- that bad of a podcast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we did the whole Hot Topics thing, and that was June, and Matt wasn't yeah. that. Greg, I'm an yep. important person. It's hard to get me. I know. I know, Matt. I mean, you know, with my- I've got to get his secretary's secretary <laughs> to get Matt even to send oh, me yeah. a text message. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's big. Well, in all fairness, we did try to get you for Calvinist Batman. Yes. But that true. did not work yeah, out. That couldn't true. work out with yeah. his schedule. That's true. Yeah, and so, um, but you're recently back from the Billy Joel concert. Yeah, that was here in Baltimore. Huh? Tell us I can't of- hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. How was it? Uh, it was a great concert. Uh, my wife Tracy and I uh, went to it. Uh, been a, my brother, uh, my big brother, got me into Billy Joel, uh, and uh, being a piano player, you don't often think of the piano being a cool instrument. Mm-hmm. But Billy Joel made it cool he for did, me, man. and mm-hmm. so so growing up as a kid taking piano lessons, I used to drive my Mrs. Hamilton was my piano teacher. Came to my house for like fourteen, fifteen years, and I'd always make sure there's a Billy Joel song on. <laughs> she, she hated rock and roll music, <laughs> wow. hated it, um, and uh, so we'd have this war going on. But she used to you know make me play these scales. But she used to always say something true. She said, "Well, if you if you learn to play these scales right, then maybe you can play that other stuff." I was yeah. like, okay, that's probably true. So that was kind of my motivation. So that's how I got into uh, listening to Billy Joel was uh, through my brother. And uh, Tracy grew up listening to him. Mm-hmm. And um, so when he finally came, I think the last time he was in Baltimore was 1977. Wow. So this was a yeah. big, you know. No way. Yeah. Uh, just so you know, Nathan, Matt, I saw, put this on Facebook. Uh, and I just want to extrapolate on this a little bit. The Ravens. <laughs> The yeah. Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> that comic got me in trouble. <laughs> yes, since 1996. This is literally the coming up season 20. You know, because mm-hmm. it'll end in 2016. It's their 20th season yes. uh, here in Baltimore. And uh, Matt has finally gotten into M&T Bank Stadium where they play <laughs> because of a Billy Joe concert. <laughs> First like time, and I, what I put on that comment, which got me in trouble, I said, this is what a stadium was meant yeah. for. 
And I had some people say, I liked your comment and then unliked it because of that yeah. comment. I had, another, I had another guy in our church say, it's a disgrace that you're my pastor. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yes, and uh, there, from one of Grace Community, you've got a pretty large Ravens contingent, oh, don't you? On, oh, my goodness. we are. It's purple on Sundays yep. when the Ravens are... Yep. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'd love... Uh, we just did our last one, Nathan yeah. on Sports, that yep. just podcasted a couple days ago. Wait a minute. Why wasn't I invited on yeah. that? <laughs> you would have liked it, Matt. I, I, I would have been totally silent the whole time. <laughs> no, you might not have, because I talked about the connection between sports and idolatry oh, and all that okay. stuff. So you but you know what? I, I don't... I'm not real hard on that, and here's yeah. why: because I it, that's an easy shot for somebody's not into it yeah. to then get pull the idolatry thing. Oh, I'd, rather, yeah. I'd rather let somebody who's a sports fan preach against that. Thank you, Matt, because that <laughs> I don't is, have the right to say that. No, that is a common complaint I have. I I listen sometimes. We'll not give names. Oh uh, come on, but, just a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One would get me in trouble for sure. But uh, some people that will rail on things, and I can't help but thinking, dude, you're not into that. Yeah, at see, all. that's that's a. Yeah, that's yeah. not. That would be like me. You know, I talk to some of you fitness people, and some of you take it too far. <laughs> some of you people are at the gym all the time. Yeah, that's why I'm not at the gym all the time. Exactly. Yeah, because I... of the Lord. Uh, yeah, that's that yeah, would I'm pretty, be. Me. I'm actually soft on sports because yeah, I yeah, because be. it's it's just not. Your I need deal. to be. You know, I'll say, Matt. I remember uh, when we were first hanging out, 1984 and on. I. Knew a Billy Joel. I think my father liked him, but my dad, you know, was a country guy. So in my house, it was always always Dolly Parton being played in the background. And uh, I'm sorry. I, you know, and my uh, brother, it was Duran Duran. Oh yeah, remember, hungry like the wolf. Hungry like the wolf. Her name is Rio. I mean, I heard that for years mm-hmm. in the mid '80s because he. Did you have a Duran Duran poster in your room? Uh, I did not. Oh, I think you did. No, I, keep in mind, Andy and I shared oh, a room. Oh, maybe it was his. I think poster. it was his poster. Oh, okay, all right. Blame it on the, uh, see, blame it yeah, on the blame big it brother. On the brother. <laughs> Andy had a Duran Duran, my brother Andy, Simon LeBon, you know, so I'll just let people conclude what they do. But uh, I had it, posters in my room, too, so it's okay. Yes. But we won't go there. <laughs> We've covered that on another podcast. But I remember being at your house and your brother Jeff, and mm-hmm. dude, I just remember because, probably because you – Love Billy Joel. Yeah, I mean, we. And my were, brother got me into Billy Joel. Oh man, I mean, Billy Joel. I, I mean, to me, uh, Italian restaurant, such a, an incredible song. Uh, the Stranger. Did did he do The Stranger? Was that what you, you read the list before I we did. went? I um, did. He did not do The Stranger. Okay, I was going over the. Yeah, Billy Joel's the third best selling solo artist ever. Wow. So who do we have? Uh, Elvis, Michael Jackson. Who's in that list? You, you know? know, I should know, but I didn't prepare okay. that well for this podcast. <laughs> yes. I know the stats. All I know is he sold over 150 million albums uh, over a six decade. You know, it's pretty amazing to be still packing out a. Not arenas, but yeah. also stadiums, and you haven't recorded anything for over forty years. Yeah, new. That's incredible. Yeah, that is incredible. That you can't is. have people that are recording new. Be, be no. playing at stadiums, so that's a pretty no. That's incredible. Nineteen consecutive times at uh, up in New York, Madison Square Garden. It's, wow, it's an all-time record. He Un- beat Elton John. Unbelievable. Yeah, didn't he uh, tour with Elton John at one point years yep. ago? Yeah, they had the dual pianos. That was yeah, kind of cool. yeah. I know somebody that was ripping that said, "Yeah, you know, uh, Elton John and and uh, you know, sort of uh, England's Night and yeah. all that kind of stuff with this you know blue collar down to earth guy." Some people did not dig it. Uh, but yeah, two excellent musicians. So um, you might have been about to ask this, Nathan, but it's fresh on my brain. Uh, obviously, Matt, you don't have a problem with certain kinds of secular music, 
uh, because you were just at the Billy Joel concert. You proudly put it on Facebook so your whole church knows there. Uh, or your whole church knew that you were there. Um, I obviously don't either. But it it's not as common as it was maybe years ago, but every so often you do mm-hmm. get that question. Um, should a Christian listen to secular music? Should, shouldn't well, we only listen to things that glorify God? And I think even to, to top it off, because I remember in um, – uh, late eighties, early nineties, there was a big thing among Christians about even rock and roll. Yeah, more oh, specifically, yeah. rock and roll yep. to be exact. Because I remember my parents for a little while were against me listening to Petra because oh, they were yeah. rock and roll. It didn't yeah. matter that they were Christian. And they used to sing that song. Yeah. God gave rock and roll <laughs> yeah, to you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Put it in the heart. <laughs> Put it in the heart. Yep. Um, so yeah, Matt, uh, tell us your thoughts on 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 that and why, how you justify that and all that. Well, I don't. Uh, I just like it. No. He just blatantly sinned the other night. <laughs> but at least I'm open about it. Yeah, uh, yeah I, did, I did a message um, with my church a number of years ago called The Sound of Music, where I, I tried to address that issue because, you know, with, especially with kids, mm-hmm. you're getting all kinds of questions. And, and obviously, I think the climate in the church is different than what it once was, like the beat of the devil. You don't hear too many mm-hmm. people saying that. Um, and I did a message, and basically I laid out uh, the, the proposition of the message was we must carefully listen to music with biblical discernment so that our love is directed towards God and not the world. And kind of the way I fleshed that was fleshed it out was we, we need to listen with clarity and listen with caution. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I try to do. And I recognize that the clarity piece is, I think, understanding um, – what music is and understanding how God, God is the one who is, who has designed it and that it's made up of rhythm and melody and harmony. And that's not demonic in any way. It can't Mm -hmm. be. It comes from the Lord. Now, just like clean drinking water versus contaminated water, the water's from the Lord, but we've messed it up. And so I think there needs to be a filter. Um, and I think especially what a lot of people, young people, especially they don't think about the worldview. Mm -hmm. And so like, okay, Billy Joel, um, his worldview is about as unbiblical sure. as you possibly could, could, could come up with. Yeah. Um, Only the good die young. <laughs> yeah. I rather, would rather laugh with the sinners than cry with the yep. saints, and sinners are much more fun and all that good stuff. Um, there is some truth in that, though, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying. That's there, for another podcast. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I said some truth. There is some truth in that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, another time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think that. If you don't listen with biblical discernment, you can get very easily caught up mm-hmm. in the message and not really realize it. Um, and so, you know, I think as I listen to all different styles of music, and I do listen to pretty broad, mm-hmm. um, you know, which includes, I think I try not to think in terms of sacred and secular mm-hmm. music. I think that's an unfortunate divide. Sure. Martin Luther talked about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think. I think that's robbing God of glory. And yeah. so when I when I attend a Billy Joel concert, I'm probably doing something that I don't know how many other people there are doing, but mm. I'm thanking God for an amazing gift that I get, I will give glory to God for an ability to play like this mm-hmm. at 66 years old, um, listening to the, all the musicians, how talented they are, um, loving the light show and just everything about the concerts. I just love the, look, checking out the sound guys down there doing their thing, just in all of all those mm-hmm. gifts. Um, so it's an act of worship, and I I'm clear enough on what those worldviews are that it's I, I'm saddened by them. Right. So I can appreciate one thing and yet be grieved at the same time. Sure. And I think that's going to be different depending on where each person's at. Um, it's a conscience issue, mm-hmm. and I think for some people, 
if listening to, say, Billy Joel is flooding them with a time in their life that isn't helpful for them to go mm-hmm. back. And music has a way of taking you back to, oh, I remember True. that was the, that song was the summer of whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I'd probably say, you shouldn't be going to a Billy Joel concert. That's not going to serve you. And so I recognize that uh, we need to bring discernment and wisdom mm-hmm. to, that, to that discussion. Dude, I've got a weird, I don't think I've ever told you this either, is an anecdote on that that, it doesn't formally tie in, but just to mention what you did, Matt, about the power of a song. Kenny Chesney has a, a song, uh, and you know I like enough country because of my wife's good influence on me. Um, <laughs> called uh, oh, I can't remember what it's, but it's about songs that take you back. Uh, I think it's called "I Go Back." You know, I go mm-hmm. back to a place on the fifty-yard oh, yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. You know, it, it's that, and uh, he talks about the power of music. He even mentions "Only the Good Die Young." In yes, that song, I, I know what's on it Stops yep, me in my yep, tracks because yep. he lost a friend. Yep. So. Um, this was at uh, my former church, uh, probably in 2000, 2001, for a Christmas Eve service. We took the song by Creed. Do you remember Creed? Yes, yes, They yes. did a, a very popular song called uh, With Arms Wide Open. Yep. I love yep. that song, man. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't hear it as much anymore, but it's had a great tune. And we actually, you know, it's kind of about welcoming a child into mm-hmm. the world. And so we actually had, um, you know, we doing a little drama there where we had one of the young girls play Mary and somebody sang in the background. If you sing that from Mary's perspective, we had to make a change or two in the lyrics, which we probably violated uh, many copyright laws. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I'm sure we did. (laughs) And Um, it's good that you just put that out on the the statute. I mean, that was what 14 years ago, man. I'm hoping the statute has well passed. Nathan, you might want to edit that. Yeah, 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 I'm going to confess everything right there, man. What church was this? Yeah. And uh, here, here we are at the end. Everybody liked it. It did well. And there was a dude in the back uh, who I could tell was not very happy. And I thought, man, well, he's got a problem with us doing a secular song. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem to fit the way I, I knew the guy. Well, I found this out some days later, maybe first week into the new year. Um, it, was, it was heartbreaking. His wife um, was unfaithful. Mm-hmm. It ended up that she was in that time in the process of leaving him quite tragically. She went. You know, the whole nth degree and did leave him. And um, their song, meaning her and her new boyfriend, that was their song. Oh, wow. Isn't that weird? I mean, it was just, here we are, you yeah, know, and then we yeah. even, you know, a couple of people wondered, maybe we shouldn't have done that secular yeah. song or yeah. something like that, which I didn't obviously conclude. But again, I guarantee you that guy can never listen to that song. Yeah. I guarantee you it brings oh, yeah. back nothing but miserable memories. So I can understand a guy says, man, every time I hear you know, ACDC reminds Absolutely. me of my frat days when mm-hmm. I was yeah. doing horrible things and I just want to get away. I can totally get yeah. that. Um, on the other side, Matt, the thing that I, I struggle with more um, is <laughs> songs that are incredibly catchy. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to put it out there. See, when Stephen Altrogi was, uh, was with us several months ago, he would rip this. But I think Katy Perry songs. I'm unafraid to say it <laughs> as a 44 year old <laughs> suburban white male. Her songs are catchy uh, to me. I think they've got they're they well thought out. I think they are uh, incredibly singable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you it's listen- a reason it's called pop music. It's right, pop, right. Yeah. yeah. But and it, how can you go wrong when you put it in a movie with Seth Rogen? Exactly. And James <laughs> Franco. Exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. You firework uh for those that saw the interview. Um and uh, you know, I mean I I will freely admit, you know, you take a song like California Girls, uh, you know, um uh what does she say? Daisy Duke's bikinis on top. Yeah, I mean it's obviously painting a picture of an incredibly sexually charged song, etc. 
But that song is downright catchy. Yeah, and I think that's where, in in thinking about clarity and, and bringing caution, which is ingredients we need for discernment, is songs are music is catchy, mm-hmm. and um, and there needs to be a way to to understand the power that music and melody has on us. I mean, there's a reason, there's a reason, I don't know if you guys ever do this, but I do this kind of stuff. Like often when I'm watching a movie, mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking about all the behind the scenes. So I'm, I'm mm-hmm. picturing the cameras and the director is saying go. And then the studio as they're watching that is, you know, adding their music, their mm-hmm. company track. Yeah. And to listen to a, a scene without music oh, it's would weird. totally change it. Yeah. Totally weird. I mean, yeah. it's amazing. Just one string note, just mm-hmm. come, just kind of humming out there, right. sets the whole thing up. Yep. And people, it's the power of music, yeah. which is a, which is a gift, but it can be abused. But when you add that, then with a message, if you are not grounded in certain ways mm-hmm. and aren't discerning, uh, or that's tempting you in ways, then you got a dangerous combination. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the discussion, especially with parents and kids, need, yeah. needs to be. Let's look at your history. Mm-hmm. Let's look at your present circumstances where you're tripping up, and let's look at where you want to end up. Yeah. And that's where, to me, discernment comes into about what's good and what's not good, yeah. uh, what's helpful. And sometimes you may need to say, you know, for for right now in my life, that's not helpful. Sure. Yeah. N- now, Matt, we didn't intend to talk about this, but um, but we're going to. We're going to. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we do on here. Yeah, we're um, we're professionals. Matt. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> Things just come up, and we're right there. Yeah. Um, Thoughts on uh, Christian entertainment and music? Because I know a lot of um, families and people who, you know, just decide, well, if it's Christian music, then it's good and it's worth listening to. And if it's secular, it's not. And you touched on the whole secular sacred thing. And mm-hmm. I agree with you. I don't think, as a believer, I don't think there should be a distinction between that. I think because of Christ, whatever we listen to can be, you know, filtered through um, our, our worldview and our perspective on God. But there are a lot of people out there who are like, well, it's Christian, so it's good. Yeah. And to me, they're, they're missing the greater point that there is an industry behind making people rich off of Christian music. Yep. Can you talk about that for a little bit in your thoughts? And Well, that doesn't happen in Christian. Yeah. <laughs> well, well here's, here's what people need to realize. Uh, it used to be you had these, you know, kind of Christian studios and, and, and there's a reason that it didn't sound very good. Yeah. They didn't. But a lot of a lot of the secular industry has bought out the quote unquote Christian so it's mm-hmm. just another like, yeah, we offer Christian music now. Right. But it's the same people producing all the other stuff, which which has helped the production of it sure. in terms of it it sounds sure. actually good now. because uh, it's the same people. Um but I think the downside is it's still the lyric content because mm-hmm. you still need to bring discernment because in some ways it can actually be more dangerous. It's like walking into a quote-unquote Christian bookstore and assuming everything on there, mm-hmm. it's Christian, it's good. Well, maybe not. Right. Um, it actually could be actually really harmful, and it's actually – you could be taking in poison thinking it's not poison, mm-hmm. whereas at least when you know they don't claim anything about Christ, hopefully that puts the flag up right. a little bit more. So I mean, yeah, I listen to some. I mean, I, I listen to a lot of Christian music. Right. Um, I'm encouraged with a lot of things, but it, there's still a lot of it that I just think, oh man, this is this is uh, it's either unbiblical, just right. flat out like what that's not true, right. I, you know, or it's just it, it might as well be secular because it's it's yeah. and it's marketed yeah. so that it could be a love song to a guy or girl, or it could be your relationship with Jesus. We don't right. know, and, right? Right. Which of course, that's intentional. Sure. Come on. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> you yeah. know. No doubt. Um, 
Well, I remember, uh, Matt, we've talked about that, that song they used to play on a uh, local Christian radio station a few years ago <laughs> all the time. That was, um, I don't I don't have it exactly right, but we laughed about it once. It was, uh, it was basically, Lord or Jesus, you make me happy. And the refrain was, and I want to make you happy too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, I'm serious. Uh, just for me, I'd rather listen to Katy Perry all day. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not even than listen to that crap. Yeah. I mean, that is just, th- that, that. Passes for legitimate Christian worship. I mean, give me a break. It's so syrupy and yeah. and, and and cheesy. And yeah, if we're, if we're going to if we're going to have a truly Christian song, let's make it really Christian. Yeah, oh let's, yeah. Let's yeah. sing yeah. about let's sing about the glories and the wonders of Christ. Let's sing about some biblical truth. Let's yeah, bring yeah. A, a biblical worldview. If yeah. it's going to be more a, a thinking let's get a kind little of song, Keith and Christian Getty uh, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, an unfortunate. Well, years ago, I think it was on the. Though, white... I, though I'll say this, I think there there are a number of bands and groups out there that, although, I wouldn't say lyrically it's like overwhelmingly rich, yeah. mm-hmm. but I'd say it's much more sound and solid than it used to be. Yeah, sure. I hear a lot more people singing truths about the gospel than I've yeah. ever had yeah. in the last five years or so. Yeah. so that's encouraging. Yeah. That is good. That is good. The um, I was going to say, I think it was the White Horse Inn, you know, Michael Horton's oh, yeah. was a radio show. I think it's a podcast now or both. And uh, this was 10, 15 years ago, maybe longer. I might have even been in seminary. And I remember they were talking about this very subject. And um, I remember Horton had a great quote where he said, man, I, I, I'd rather listen to Clapton than Carmen. Um, and Nathan, let me, let me tell you a little something about, let me tell you something about Matt Smith and maybe our listeners would appreciate it. I was going to say. Uh, 10, home. 12, 15 years uh, ago. I don't know when that was, yeah. Matt. Longer Do you remember the year? It, Long time ago. It had to be like 95. Okay, maybe? so about 20 years ago. 20 years. Yeah, come on. Matt was uh, the officially designated MC of, of a Carmen concert. <laughs> I was the director of the entire yeah. thing at the Baltimore <laughs> Arena at the time. Oh, my word. That was crazy. Can, yeah, can, I could tell you stories. But. Can I just ask, whatever happened to him? Yeah, is he like, around, dude? Is Carmen still doing yes. stuff? Yes, I, I will be happy to give you, brothers, oh an update on Carmen. Uh, you, first of all, Carmen is um, – is uh, he's had a bout with cancer. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, well, now I feel bad for you laughing. He was given, I think, like three, four years – to live, uh, mm. but he's in remission. I believe he's actually touring again. Wow! Okay. Um, he's playing more at churches, so mm-hmm. gone are the days of the arenas. I think. Yeah. Um, but he is uh, just put out a new album, mm-hmm. but it's it was done all through uh, one of the startup sure. things. Um, so, um, so his ministry still he's still out there, mm-hmm. but wow. not not on the epic scale. Right. That yes, that, that, I mean, late 80s, not early 90s. But let me dude. tell you what I got out of the deal. Yeah. Because, uh, you got a leather jacket. I did. I yes. got the Carmen Riot leather jacket <laughs> for five months of planning. And this is before you you had a lot of use of a lot of social – well, you didn't really have any social media at that time. Um, so we had one line installed in my church office just for the Carmen hotline because you had to order your tickets. <laughs> Literally, it rang – Every eight seconds. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. And then I was responsible for – I had bookstores calling me like in PA, Virginia, angry at me because why don't we have tickets? Well, I'm like, I can't drive down to Virginia and PA. And so I actually had to collect all that money. So coming the night before to the arena because I had to be there by 7 a.m., I had – I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars oh, wow. in cash I had, wow. which 
was a comfortable thing. <laughs> yeah. Not a good way to do the, no, the ministry, no. but um, and uh, had to recruit over six hundred people uh, oh, wow. to staff the concert. Wow, this was all just a side gig. <laughs> yeah, um, and uh, it was it was a brutal exhaust. I would oh my word, like people say, wouldn't you want to do that again? You couldn't pay me to do that again. That wow. was. It was horrendous. Wow. Yeah, I think I was in seminary. Uh, That's why that was a dis. Yeah, that was probably about ninety five. But and- you know, I got to be elevated up through the stage and yes. do the big introduction. So I guess that was the, the moment of glory. I yes, don't know. Carmen, the champion. <laughs> right, well, Carmen. Yeah, <laughs> there was a, there was a different time for us, Nathan. It was. We were in a different uh, segment. But ninety five. I mean, a lot of people have talked about that great year. Remember that was DC Talk Jesus Freak. Oh yeah, which mm-hmm. they say was a pivotal moment. In terms of groups, becoming but I will more say this: although obviously I wouldn't agree with all of Carmen's theology, mm-hmm. yes. uh, but but stepping back, I would say it was it was a moment in life where God used that in I think good ways in my life to to stir a passion for the Lord, and so yeah. I'll give I'll give kudos to that. See, that's good. That goes back to your point. It is true. I, I tell people. I mean, I um I unashamedly say, you know, we we've been we're big fans of Breaking Bad, right? And uh, I've talked to some people that um, what? No. Will, yeah, will, will say to me, "Oh, Greg, it's so dark." And I, look, I'm going to freely admit, I, I don't know why I'm drawn to the dark. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. it, uh, true detective, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's here's my counsel on that: is that ultimately, there you're right. There is nothing in scripture. There is no uh, customized set standard that you use. So this is what I would say: you know, if you're watching something mm-hmm. and it's causing you to sin, mm-hmm. if you're lusting, if you are. Uh, uh, secretly harboring fantasies of vengeance about real people in your life mm-hmm. that have wronged you or hurt you and those things are then you shouldn't be watching them mm-hmm. i mean it's really that cut and dry yeah. okay so let me, let me play the other yeah, side please, just a please. little bit um so i think you would agree that sin is deceitful yes and so often when we are caught up in buying the lies of our sin mm-hmm. we we hide we don't want to be found we don't want light to expose sure. so where, how do you balance that with the reality that sin dupes us all the time and we might be caught up in sin and not even fully be recognizing that because we're kind of searing our conscience? Great question. Because obviously the Holy Spirit does convict, mm. but there's also a sense in which we can kind of suffocate that yeah. conviction a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why, to your earlier point, Matt, I think you have to watch things uh, with uh, with an awareness. I mean, mm-hmm. I would just say that. To me, the best thing that I do is Lisa and I – generally watch most of our stuff together. There's a few things I watch that she just aren't her thing. And there's so community, watch. bringing community. in some other people, mm-hmm. bringing in other people, ask I, some good questions. Yeah, I think you're, yeah. well, and I, I just think your spouse doesn't even always have to ask them Yeah, mm-hmm. because she knows you and uh, knows the things you're struggling with, knows the things that you're battling with. And uh, I just think it, it would be a case by case basis. Mm-hmm. I do not think all Christians should watch this, should watch that. Sure. But I, I'm getting a little tired of some of the, um, to me, very surfacey responses. Oh, Breaking Bad, that's about a drug dealer. You know, yeah. and you say, well, it, I mean, honestly. Have you read the Old Testament? Well, that's what, take that to the nth degree. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, the life of David, he's an adulterer. Yeah. Jacob, yeah. he's a liar and a yeah. deceiver. Yeah. I mean, it's to the point where it's so just knee jerk. In its reaction, and to me, I, I personally believe Breaking Bad 50, 60 years from now will be considered like a TV classic yeah. mm-hmm. and will probably seem pretty mild yeah. Uh, yeah. By, by comparison. But I, I'll tell you what I love. I love the brilliance. I love writers. Mm-hmm. I, I love to picture a group of writers in a room mm. that develop the arc of Walter White. 
because it's fascinating to me. And like, the new spinoff is doing very yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. How do they do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's amazing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with enjoying that, mm-hmm. enjoying that craft, enjoying that. Man, what a what a twist! Nobody saw that coming. There, yeah. There's something there that is brilliant, yeah. and that I will say is praiseworthy. Yes, even in a setting that is dark and dismal. Uh, by the way, other quick thing is the other. Uh, People say, "Oh, it, it glorified drugs." I don't know about you, Matt. You, I, I have the opposite. I was going to say, did not, uh, not that I've ever watched Breaking Bad, but uh, <laughs> I've heard. I would like to. Uh, <laughs> I would like to enter evidence. I've been told once or twice. <laughs> Let me text his wife Tracy yeah. now. If I, I was I to watch all the episodes yeah. and all the seasons, let's just like yeah. that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I, I, cert- I don't think it, and that's, I think that's an important thing. Going back to the the music thing, yeah. is part of it is, I is when sin is exposed for sin, mm-hmm. opposed to sin is made to look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and that can be done in a lot of different ways. I think that becomes another. Th- way I, I try to filter sure. those kinds of things you sure. know, because that's where it'll trip me up because yeah there's nothing like when I hear a Billy Joel song Only the Good Die Young th- th- yeah it's amazing beat and it's I mean it's mm-hmm. great sax solo all that stuff is great I said sax solo just for the <laughs> sometimes that didn't come out yeah, really good right. <laughs> especially we're talking about Billy Joel uh, sax pronunciation S- is important S-A-X yeah um but I, I'm my soul is grieved because I'm like, dude, you you don't get life at all, and yeah. there's an end coming that it's yeah. not going to play out the way you're sure. singing. Sure, but if you don't have that discernment, you're not thinking that way, then you might get caught up, and that could really seduce you. Sure, yeah. oh no you know? doubt. So no doubt, discernment no. is the key. I, I would agree, yeah. and I think you have. I've shared that example before, Nathan. You've probably heard this so many times, but. Um, when when I was in seminary again, that seems to be the, the span of life we're talking about. Lisa and I saw Bridges of Madison County, which was all the rage back. How many right, years right. were you in seminary? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was only three. <laughs> the longest well, three four. years. Ago. You know how four. long doctors go yeah. to school. <laughs> I was a slow learner, um, but we uh, one night we saw Bridges of Madison County. Part of I wanted to uh, I wanted to see it because it's Clint Eastwood at that time. That was one of his first transitional movies where he stops being the dirty hairy yeah. stud yeah. to becoming this more sensitive which has characterized many of his roles in recent years so it was interesting to watch and here i'm watching this this movie and the hollywood did its magic brilliantly because you've got meryl streep who is the devoted mother she's a farm girl she, my 14 year old daughter adores her as an oh actress. really isn't yeah. that weird yeah well she's she, she tremendous she's the bomb wow I mean, yeah and she's what well into her 60s yeah not older and here she is, and she's the, married to a guy who's just a dud. He is just a total dud, probably a faithful provider. And um, But you can just tell she's unhappy. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. got this sort of romantic impulse that he, he's clueless uh, you know, in terms of reading his wife. And he takes the kids to the county fair. Mm-hmm. She's left there for that weekend. So happens a National Geographic photographer, played by Clint Eastwood, is in town taking bridges or photos of these historic bridges in this Iowa county. And of course, you know they they meet each other, they have an affair, and, and all of her wishes are finally fulfilled with this debonair, dashing guy that sweeps her off her feet. And uh, you know, here it is, the last scene in the movie: Meryl Streep is in the car, and uh, her husband has returned home. Clint Eastwood has supposedly gone away. It's pouring down rain, and there's Eastwood. He walks out of an alley mm-hmm. and stares at the end of it and looks down at her. 
and they zoom in on Meryl Streep and her hand is right near the handle of the door. You know, should she just open that door and run out into his arms? And in my heart, yep. I am cheering yeah. for her to run out. And if you think, commit adultery. Well, she's already committed adultery. Right. But embrace the adultery. Yep. Embrace the, the man that she did not make vows to. Crush the man that she promised yep. herself to. So you're right. I would say, and that was not a pornographic scene, no, mm-hmm. but it was a powerfully engineered scene. Mm-hmm. So I do think the other side, he's right. You do have to guard your heart. But on the, uh, from the parenting side, I'm not recommending people go out and watch that movie with their kids, yeah. but as you are using movies and other oh, songs, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think they're great teaching tools yeah. because you can take, a, let's say, a scene like that and people have experienced the draw sure. of how seducing sin is, yep, sure. attractive it is, and boy, what a moment to hit eventually the pause button and talk about that because yeah, sure. that's real life. Yeah. That's yeah. the way sin works. Yeah. And this is just a scene, but this scene is lived out in reality right. all over the place. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they can be really good teaching opportunities. And personally, I'd rather do that with my kids while they're under my roof. Yeah. Uh, age-appropriate wisdom. Every kid's not the same, right. you know, but trying to, mm-hmm. to do that yeah. uh, and seize them as instruction times. Yeah. Now, let me ask you guys this because – and so, Greg, you know, you laid yourself out. I lay myself out now. Uh, I'm drawn to characters. If you've ever seen The Blacklist, mm-hmm. I'm drawn to characters like James Spader where it's that cocky, confident guy who yeah. knows it all. He's got all the answers. House is another example. Sure. Yeah. I like those characters. Sure. You know, And so, Greg, you talk, talked about – you know, if you see those characters and you're, you, you seem to be drawn to them, you know, you're sinning in your heart and you have these thoughts and ideas. Like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, and Greg, you know my situation at work. Yeah. I've had these thoughts and ideas of just telling my boss off. Sure. And to me, sometimes there's almost that fulfillment in those movies where, like, mm-hmm. that character has that ability. He does. And does that. He's um, the person you want to be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's not only the person I want to be, but, you know, if you ever talk to my wife, that's the person that I could be. Right. Mm. But I understand very much as a believer, that's not who I'm called to be. Yeah. I'm called to live a different life. And so just throwing that out there to you guys, you know, what do you think about that? The fact that I, yes, I'm drawn to that, that has an appeal to me. But ultimately, I know my call is not to respond to that sure. and to be that. Yeah. Um, well so said. thoughts and. Well, I mean, my first thought, Nathan, is I think you're proving Matt's first point that you you're aware of it, so you're drawn to the character. I mm-hmm. am too. I think there's. A, I mean, that is the shtick. I mean, Benedict uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's portrayal of Sherlock. Yeah, Sherlock's yeah. always that way, but I mean, he has housed it up. Yes, you know, and uh, I mean, he's so mm-hmm. brutally obnoxious. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. He is cutting. He seems to have. He knows no boundaries right. in terms of what's socially cooth or not. Um, so, yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with being drawn to that. It is funny. Part of the reason it's funny is because it, it, it is the you that we'd all want to be in a right. given moment. Hopefully, I mean, even the non-Christian, you might say they, their better judgment keeps them from doing it. We would say, hopefully, the, the Lord, the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the influence of the scriptures on our mind and thinking. Um, so, I mean, but I would say this. There might be another guy out there that has found, yeah, I'm so impressionable. And characters that I like, fictional or otherwise, in, in movies or any kind of entertainment portrayal that I see, have um, prompted me to behave like that. Mm. And I said, well, you got to start doing some thinking. Yeah. You know? And I would say, if you can always separate and just sort of laugh and say, man, yep, that would, that's who I'd like to yeah. be in that five minutes when I could yeah. get everything off my chest and say it. 
But you don't actually do it. You mm-hmm. don't actually harbor this fantasy that you plan out and, and seek to implement. Uh, I think you're good. I think if, uh, you know, again, I, I only, it varies person to person. Yeah. It really, really does, I think. Well said. <laughs> now, I, yeah. You know, go, going back to uh, contrasting the, the music, Billy Joel. Sure. The next, the next day in, in our church, I had a guest speaker, uh, James Chaw, come and my wife and I were just talking about just the contrast of the message from Saturday night through the music and just the comments that Billy Joel would make in between songs, his mm-hmm. worldview versus this pastor missionary uh, who served to reach Muslims and the way he carried himself, the way he talked, the glory he was living for calling yeah. the church to lay your life down. It's better to die, you know, to right. serve. and so we were just, we, and, and what, here's what we said, because um, Tracy's like, I want to put something on Facebook, but I don't want it to come across like I'm in any way slamming Billy Joel or like we, we enjoyed the concert. We'd go again if we had the opportunity. Sure. So it was like, yay. But the satisfaction and the enjoyment Sunday was just like a no brainer yeah. because um, you you saw this is what this is what we were made for. And this mm-hmm. is the one we were made to live our lives. And it was such a contrast of just those those different personalities theologies mm-hmm. you know worldviews um colliding and so i i just think in all entertainment whether it's a character a musician christians need to be constantly coming back to what you said but yeah. who am i called what, yeah. what is my calling here who what is this world really all about and i think in many times you see it better through the contrast mm-hmm. um you know so well, we are um, actually we we have a few minutes left, so we don't want to cut it short. But um, we we were going to roll into talking about exegetical preaching yeah. um, because Matt, you had some thoughts on that, um, and this is going going back several months now to when we had Jeff Crotz on, and we were talking about exegetical preaching and the importance of it. Um, and we've done that a couple times on this podcast, actually, um, Greg, overemphasizing exegetical preaching. Sure. Um, and Matt, you had some different thoughts on it um, in terms of you don't always necessarily think. Now, don't get me wrong, because the majority of preaching that you've done is exegetical, correct? Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not that you're saying, yeah, we need to throw out exegetical preaching, but you have a different take on it in terms of um, it, it's not necessarily the right way to preach. Oh, my. Um, oh, my. <laughs> uh, okay. Woo, yeah, things let, are getting tense in this let studio. Me, <laughs> let me put a few more disclaimers sure. out yeah, there. Sure. Uh, Matt's, Matt's worried about going back to his elder <laughs> team after this. I believe in expository preaching. That's what they uh, all say. I do, and, and I, have, I think I have a track record that proves we've preached through Ecclesiastes, we've preached through the book of Acts, Hebrews, Colossians, Philippians, I just finished Galatians. Oh, so, yeah, good. Okay, so we, we do the Bible. Yeah. Uh, did you give him your sermon notes on that, Greg? I did. I, you I know, did. he did, and yeah. uh, well, we didn't use them, but <laughs> <laughs> I thought I can do better than this. <laughs> yeah, and he could, trust me. No. Um, I, so it's, it, it, this isn't... I guess my thought isn't so much in any way to critique expository preaching or to encourage the church to do less of that. Mm-hmm. That would that would not be the intended effect I'd want to have. Sure, because um, I think we need to do a whole lot more of that. My concern more is with the attitude and sometimes the statements that are made by the community in the church that is very committed to expository preaching mm-hmm. and demonize everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, 
because to me, I'm committed to that. The text is where the authority's at. That your points come from a text. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're preaching the Bible. You're not preaching yourself. You're not preaching your stories and mm-hmm. all that. However, uh, sometimes the way I feel expository preaching is presented as a defense is um, it almost minimizes that. So I can't talk about a particular theme or a topic that is very important, very relevant, that the Bible does address. But in order for me to give you a thoroughly biblical view on this and say all that God says, I can't just go to one text. Of course. Yeah. Which now is topical. Now, sure. there is bad topical preaching, mm-hmm. but there's also really bad expository yes. preaching. Believe right. me, I've heard some that you're just thinking, you know, get out of the pulpit. You're just, you're killing us out here. And he's talking about every time he visits Christ Fellowship. <laughs> no, that's not true. <laughs> That's not true, uh, but I do only come once a year. Yeah. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, you're a very gifted preacher. Um, so it, it's the attitude that comes, and, and again, some of this comes from. And, and believe me, um, if you had a, if this broadcast was going to like hundreds and hundreds of thousands, I probably wouldn't even open my mouth because. Uh, I don't want some of my heroes in the faith to hear this because they've ripped me to shreds because I respect them. But sometimes from my heroes that I look up to, I love their commentaries, I'm indebted to them. But some of the things they say under the banner of expository preaching, I just say, really? Come mm-hmm. on. Um, and so I feel like there's a way, because I don't see, when I look at you, Greg, you were talking about, when I look at the examples of expository preaching from the Bible, mm-hmm. Okay, did Jesus preach that way, the way we do it today? Right, yeah. You I don't can't, think so. You really can't find one example. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. The answer is he didn't. Right. Uh, when you look at the way the letters are structured, structured together, you know, obviously they're, they're covering themes and topics that were, they're pastoral. They, we call them the pastoral epistles. Right. So preaching, I think, should should be pastoral. There's a reason you're preaching to not just people out there, but you're preaching to a group of people that have been entrusted to your care. Yeah, it's it's a function of shepherding. Yeah, and so to me, the the bigger issue is I want to see the Bible being preached, mm-hmm. uh, and by the whole council, I don't know if that means I have to cover every single word so that I can have some pride that says I covered every word. Mm-hmm. But but I want to shepherd people with the truth of all of God's word to equip them to be the men and women of God that they need to be to reach their generation sure. with the gospel. Uh, which I, I think going through books of the Bible is a no-brainer. We mm-hmm. should do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We should, and we should do it a lot more. And I think if the if I was talking to a different group of churches, I might like just they probably would get the impression that's all I want to be about doing. Mm-hmm. So my comments are more directed towards more the reform community. Sure, yeah. Uh, that I think some of their churches would benefit if they did a little more topical. Mm-hmm. But use the Bible, just right, like yeah. you do. Right. Uh, and, and not preach less of the Bible. Preach as much of the Bible as you right. did. But get a different viewpoint. Go 30,000 feet above on a particular topic sure. that your people are struggling with. Right. That you're not going to get in this one text. Sure. So that's that's more my... Uh, I guess sure. beef, if you will. Well, and, yeah. and in all fairness, you know, we've mentioned before um, Spurgeon, who yeah. is, you know... Here, you know, I mean, if you if you were to you know try to equate Spurgeon to you know superstar today, you know, in terms of pastors, you know, oh, Denzel yeah. Washington or right, something, right. you know, he preached the majority of his life topically. I right. Think, I think Spurgeon would be like the Joe Olstein of the day. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm sorry, there I shouldn't a, have said uh, that. There is a graveyard plot somewhere in England right now. <laughs> the dirt has been 
freshly disturbed. <laughs> the, um, no, yeah, we. I was just going to say, Nathan. I'm glad you did too. Spurgeon, yeah, Spurgeon is always yeah. the example. I mean, he's the prince of preachers, but he didn't preach the way <laughs> we command. The, 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 the closest thing he did to uh, something expositional was his Treasury of yeah. uh, David yeah, on the Psalms. commentary on the Psalms, which which is quite good. I mean, it's Spurgeon too is a was a devotional exegete to me a little more, which is great. I mean, he he was always. Which isn't it interesting that all the people in the Reformed community love him because they. Because devotional preaching speaks to people where they're at. <laughs> it it's does. pastoral. Yes. And that's what I – I would like to hear more expository preaching, pastoral, and thematic, and real life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And more illustrations. Yes, and I think to your point, Matt, what made Spurgeon so good, though, is his sermons were textual. I always yeah. say uh, we had – you know, when we had Russ – uh, one of our interns here mm-hmm. this past year, yep. Russ Fisher. Hey, Russ, you listen in sometimes. You tell me he's a student at Covenant Seminary now. Great young guy. Um, and uh, he was asking me some questions. Uh, he was doing uh, leading a community group training session, uh, and he uh, gave about a 15, 20-minute biblical basis of community groups. And uh, I saw that example. Russ was so careful. He did not want to violate an expository preaching principle. And I basically told him, well, I know what you mean. You, you kind of have to. In other words, you're not going to find all the things that really need to be said yeah. for this particular purpose in one text. Mm-hmm. And I urged him, I said, the key, Russ, is to be textual. Yes. Um, and to me, you can always be topical if you're textual. Yeah, yeah. But there's a way. You're right, Matt. You can be – I would say this. If you're preaching through a book – I'm in First Peter right now – and your people have no clue – if they, if you were to interview them after the church, hey, can you tell me a little bit about what the book of First Peter is about? What are some of the big themes? If they don't know, yeah, mm-hmm. I think I, in many ways that preacher has failed. Yes, mm-hmm. I agree because they they have become so myopic. Um, we're looking at this verse and these three words today, and it almost treats the Bible like a code book, mm-hmm. like it's got a secret mm-hmm. code. And yeah. of course, I tend to go for what I was taught in seminary was unit of thought. Yeah. And I like that phrase. You want to look for the unit of thought. That's what I try to find. But mm-hmm. there's a thought, which is why Old Testament preaching, it tends to be a much longer text. Yeah. When you have an Old yeah. Testament narrative, that unit of the thought might cover three and a half chapters. Yeah. And, Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Right, right. <laughs> yes, and it's, it's tough. You know, I did Joshua before yeah. First Peter, and I'm going to go back to Joshua in the fall. Yeah. Um, great challenge, but you're always looking, what, what is God speaking to his people? Yeah. And uh, I remember we were talking about Piper before this began, and Piper was asked one time, give us an example of preaching that's called expository but really isn't. And, and I'm mm-hmm. paraphrasing it, but he said, oh, okay, uh, yeah, this here is a uh, subordinate clause. This is a reduced relative clause. Uh, this is a, a, is a nifal participle, which means the main verb should be connected to the preceding verse, and you see that in verse 4. That's that's not really preaching. No. It not. is it might be brilliant scholarship. Yeah, and, and, there's, a pl- and there's a place and for we that. we need it. Absolutely. We need Absolutely. it. But in the place of the pulpit, yeah. to hold forth God's word, uh, we, 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 in other words, I always say the preacher doesn't have to show all the math. Um, you, know, you, you don't need to do that. There's a lot of mechanics behind it. And normally, Matt, if you feel this, I always feel the hardest part of a sermon is what to leave out. Mm. Because yeah. in the mining process, it's ridiculous you could just go on and on and mm-hmm. on. This week, Nathan, we were saying the passage in First Peter is five or six verses. Yeah, but there are so many sub themes in that right. section. Right. You you literally could go 
on and on and on and on. And uh, and there might be a place for that. I think inductive Bible studies, where you're really going right. deep. Sunday morning, yeah, there's a little more room. But at some point, you're going to have to choose. Because yes. if you were to preach that text again, you might hit it from a different angle. Not Absolutely. because the main point changed, no. but there's different nuances and things. And and I feel like sometimes in the need to be, quote-unquote, faithful, yeah. you end up saying a lot, but people are sleeping. Yeah. And you didn't stir their affections. And I think the word should have that effect yeah. because that's what it's there to show forth Christ. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, you know, the idea, as we've been saying, is that the the texts are, are in agreement with whatever topic you might be talking about. So, yeah. Greg, if you were... Um, let's say I know Christmas time you, is is probably the most predominant time where you go topical. That's right. Yeah. Um, so if you were to you know show Christ's submission, you might use First Peter as an example Absolutely. of Christ being submissive yeah. in that instance. But there's nothing contrasting in that. You know, it's God speaking clearly about submission and how you're be, be supposed to be submissive. And here's an example of how Christ mm-hmm. was submissive. Yes. Yes, um, exactly, exactly. It's uh, where uh, when you're doing it in a sermon series in First Peter, mm-hmm. you'll get to that a little bit differently, right? But it's such a slam dunk uh, illustration, mm-hmm. perhaps for mm-hmm. a Christmas sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's face it, we've talked about this about we, uh, you know. In fact, Nathan, let's put it now. When we get to Christmas, let's mm-hmm. definitely do one on Christmas preaching. Because my Christmas series is already done. Is it really my soul? <laughs> oh, my soul. Mine has not been thought about one time. But, um, and there you have it, ladies you know, and gentlemen. There, yes, yes. There is a small canon of available text. Let's oh, face Lord. it. You got a theological prologue in John 1. You got nothing in Mark, really. You've got uh, Luke 1 and 2 and mm-hmm. Matthew 1 and 2. Isaiah 7, Isaiah 9, Micah 5, a couple of passages. And then you start doing what I call the, the – you find, you find Christmas in other places. <laughs> Christmas in Genesis 3. And here's what I always think of. I would never find Christmas there except when I'm looking for a Christmas topic. Yeah. But there is a limited... But all good biblical Bible expositors seem to find it every Christmas. <laughs> you can find it every Christmas. Uh, Easter, have you found that? I find it a little bit easier the Good Friday because you've got so much more material in the Gospels. Yeah, yeah you do. Uh, such, uh, so much more devoted. But I do think, the to me... When everybody is caught up in December, it's a pastoral function. The reason I have chosen to normally do a Christmas series, sometimes it'll be the whole month of December. Sometimes mm-hmm. it might just be two weeks. Right. But I normally concentrate on Christmas is because you've got such an opportunity. And if I can tie something into a song people are going to be hearing, yep. Yep. Uh, tradition they're practicing, to, to in essence infuse what the Bible says about mm-hmm. the incarnation in that person's mind, it just seems foolish not to take advantage of that. Yeah. What is your Christmas series, dude? Or you're not revealing yet. For you, I'll reveal it. Reveal it. <laughs> Even though we're doing this on a podcast. Reveal it for us. The Christmas series at this moment is called This Changes Everything, oh. which obviously you can probably figure out what this is. It's it's this one in the in the manger. Yes. But what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the uh, going work with the Advent, you know, wreath uh, with the candles, you know, hope, love, peace, mm-hmm. all them. But each candle is actually going when we it's going to have a story behind it. So. We're gonna we're gonna take a different portion in the gospel accounts to see um, a, a story of hope, a story of love, a story of peace, as it all relates to Jesus as a grown person, and then we're gonna work our way backwards. Mm. So we're gonna look at his life and kind of work our way back. 
So at this point, I think that yeah, I hear you. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. What was that you were saying? It's no. going to be. I am powerful. kidding. I No, that is good, but and you've already decided that. I have decided. How far out do you plan such series, Matthew? Usually. I mean, um, it is now, what are we, uh, July 29th? July, uh, yeah. The day we're recording. The preaching calendar, uh, obviously, it could always change. Uh, but through end of April, we're done. Wow. We're not there now. <laughs> we're not there. I mean, general. Right, First right. Peter through the end of August. Right. Uh, Moving uh, back into Joshua. Yes, yeah. a special series on community groups in uh, September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hey, uh, Community? Are you doing, doing it? We're doing thing? a series called Community Blueprint. It's going to start. It's going to be four weeks. It's going to be in the month of September. Exactly what I'm doing. Community but Blueprint, not Community oh, Blueprint, okay. but something in that. Fact, Matt, you preach him a week ahead of mine. There and, we go. And my <laughs> series is already done. My series is done. I'm starting uh, September 6th. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> and then Joshua into the fall. Okay. The second half of Joshua and a Christmas. Have you series, enjoyed though. preaching through Joshua? Loved it. Have you been very? Has hard. it been? Cha- I was going to say I- I've. Judges and Joshua are yeah. two Old Testament books. At some point, I'd like to do. Yeah, uh, Tim Keller has great little. You know, he has the one little. He does. Tim come. Yep. Does Keller have it? Or is it, no, no. It's put out by. It's not Keller who does no, it. Uh, yes, he does. Yeah, Keller does the one on judges. Judges. That's right. Yeah, he doesn't do one on Joshua. Um, Best one on Joshua is by Dale Ralph Davis. Okay. Uh, called No Falling Words. Outstanding. So how many benefit. sermons are going to make up the Joshua series? Any first idea? half, uh, first 12 chapters. Joshua's 24 chapters, mm-hmm. so I stopped right after 12. I just See, this is a pastoral instinct. I felt that was a challenge for our people to yeah. be in an Old Testament book that, yeah. that long for 12 yeah. weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all, Me too. I mean, it's, whew, wow, yeah. this is a very different world right. than the yeah. letters of Paul or something like that. So we did it for 12 weeks, um, and that took us – I'm sorry, we did it for 18 weeks. 12 chapters. Mm. So I did... uh, Now, the second half is much more redundant because we ended with them basically settling in the land. Mm -hmm. Now the rest is the conquest, subduing the actual territories, etc. I I went ahead, and even though it's 12 chapters, I think we're going to do it in about 8 to 10 messages. Okay. Because two chapters at a time are basically just parallel stories. Mm -hmm. And then we did this, and then we did this, and then we did that. To see the cycle, there's important things to see in there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, very difficult, Matt, but I've loved it. For me, it's been a great personal, uh, joyous discovery period to see things I've never seen. And then to think of, okay, how to preach this yeah in a way so you know i so do you do you do a lot of just summarizing what has happened or and actually, just pick and Matt, choose it in, do you just read or what in do you joshua do? i've read every verse mm-hmm. okay you know I, I i think nathan you were yeah. there i think uh, yeah. i would even say that okay it's going to take about five right. minutes to yeah. read right. this right. text today yeah. i don't have a problem though with summarizing yeah i i just felt that everything was just okay enough okay that we could do it yeah. but there might be some other sections that i say look i'm going to read one chapter and three or four verses from the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go through it and see what's there. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, when when I when I started Galatians, uh we actually uh the way I did, you know, the the, the big introduction message. Yeah. That's important, but oh, nobody yeah. really wants to hear right. it. Right. No, kind of and people hate introduction yeah, right. messages. Yeah. Um so I decided if we're just going to go for it, um so I had four different people come that were good readers. Yeah. And we just I said this is this is the way this letter Oh, you read the whole book? I said and we we've we've done that with some of the other shorter letters. Awesome. Uh, we did that with uh when I preached the seven letters to the churches in Revelation. Yeah. Uh we just said we're gonna listen yeah. because we're gonna let this land mm-hmm. and and if God's word's powerful, let it speak That's to you. Awesome. And then I just then it I had about fifteen or twenty minutes just to kinda 
You've so inspired you- me, Matt, this Sunday, Second Chronicles. <laughs> no, no, Nathan. First and Second Chronicles. That'd be good. That, well, that's good. That means, the book of gra- numbers. That means Grace Community Attendance is going to be really <laughs> high. <laughs> I probably shouldn't have broadcast any of these plans. We're, We're all, not doing that this, yeah, this right. Sunday. All of a sudden, people are like, man. Well, just Grace remember, Community. Greg, the good news is this isn't being aired until next week. That's ah, right. You're good. That's you're right. Good. So I can get this Sunday going. But you know, on preaching, I, had, I told you James Chaw. Had, yeah, had yeah. him come. Um, we had a, a, and I'm saying this very seriously, I think a real powerful move of the Holy Spirit yeah. on Sunday yeah. that I haven't seen in quite some time. Wow. And we've called the church to prayer and fasting all summer, every Tuesday. Uh, and so we have very specific things that we're, we're just saying as a church, let's lean in. We're desperate. We need God. And one of the real key things is praying for the power and the presence of the Lord when we gather. Wow. Um, and uh, so I like to think that maybe the Lord is responding, and yeah. you know that's that's mm-hmm. what the church is asking the Lord to do, and I know He's eager to do that. But I listened to this guy speak, and it wasn't so much preaching. I mean, he he covered scripture, but he brought us into his story, which so I'd almost say it was more like a testimony. Mm-hmm. Uh, about, it was more preaching a life that has been transformed by God, right? Um, and then adding and kind of exhorting us with the word. Mm-hmm. And all it was interesting, just people kept saying, I mean, we had ministry time at the end, people were repenting, people were crying about things, I mean, God was at work, and there was one of these things where you didn't want to shut the meeting down, yeah. and we we're trying to make our services shorter, so this is one of these, like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> uh, and... Uh, but I, I came away, because people were saying, that message, that was unbelievable, and I was thinking, okay, that really wasn't even a sermon. Wow. But I'd go for that more often than when I'm preaching. So, well, so yeah, you know, it, it yeah. just got me thinking in terms of the forms. Yeah. Uh, you know, not not that sure. we want it in any way. It's the word of God. But what was it as he was bringing God's word forth? Sure. Even in testimony that was that was having a good effect. And how how much of that should I, as the pastor, should be putting into the preaching diet? Mm. In other yeah. words saying we need more of those people coming in because wow. it has this kind of an effect. Right, that's uh, good. And that's not expository, but mm-hmm. I'll tell you, right. I think people were pretty fired up about Jesus when they were done. So yeah, I'm kind right. of thinking, mm, that's, that was good. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it's awesome. Yeah. Well, and I think, too, you know, the idea is um, for for us as believers, we need those things. We need those encouragements yep. to come in, those reports of yes. what's going on, especially for us as Americans, what's going on to other believers around the world yep. and, and what are they experiencing that we aren't? Yep. You know, I mean, I think about today, you know, just in the course of the day, me getting up, you know, just and, and what I did, and there was really nothing of significance where, you know, you have other believers around the world getting up and they're wondering if the police are going to bust in their mm-hmm. door and mm-hmm. arrest them. Mm-hmm. Nathan, you did nothing of significance until you came here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> to the These Go To 11 podcast studio. It, it was a game changer. <laughs> yes. Then his day found meaning. Then, yes. then it was Then it was there. Um, yes. So we're going to go ahead, and um, we've, we've actually been going a little over an hour oh, on these recently. So mm. we're... Under an hour right now. Wow. We're going to go ahead and keep it that way. Yep. Um, so it's like my sermons. <laughs> <laughs> Usually just under an hour. Usually just under. So we're going to go ahead and sign off now. And uh, guys, we just rock the Casper. Billy Joel style. <laughs> These go to 11.